Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I didn't write a newsletter. I'm not saying I'm not recommending anybody do this, but I didn't actually write a newsletter for 15 months. It wasn't it wasn't intentional, but I just had to stop doing a lot of things. I've been doing it for like 13 years, some of these things, and I was yeah. exhausted by it. I needed to know well, what's for me. What do I actually want to do? Sure, there's things that we have to do, even if they're not our most favorite thing. We have to do. Uh, oh, God, I just remember the VAT return. I've got to finish as well. <laughs> but, you know, we, there's various different things that we have to do, but. I also think that when you get to that point where you're not sure what's for you and what's really about everybody else, that you need to step back. Hello, and welcome to season three of the Wannabe podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I am, of course, your host, Imriel. Thank you for listening to last week's episode with Mary Atamahana. She was dropping so many gems of wisdom. It is easily the most practical episode of the season, so make sure you check it out if you haven't. Before I get to this week's episode, I have updates. So I mentioned last week that we're building a studio in Peckham. Before we go live, we are offering founding member rates at £50 per month for four hours. We have had so much interest, I am blown away. So if you're starting a podcast or have one and want somewhere cozy and professional to record, head on over to contentisqueen.org. Second announcement, Content is Queen Women's Podcast Festival is back on June 6th at King's Place. Stay tuned for more updates on that. Right, back to the episode. This week's guest is Natalie Liu, and if you don't know about this woman, you are about to know. Natalie is a friend and a mentor. She is the founder of Baggage Reclaim, the ultimate source for banishing your emotional baggage, navigating emotional unavailability in relationships, and communicating your needs. Natalie has been blogging for 16 years and has over 1,400 blog posts on Baggage Reclaim. Natalie has been featured in Glamour, Broadly, Girlboss. She writes for In The Moment magazine. She has sold over 100,000 ebooks and is just an all-round boss. In today's episode, we talk about adapting to social media, taking a step back, finding your purpose, getting rid of activities that no longer add value or serve you. We also tackle people-pleasing and whether or not it's important to be likable. Let's go. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? Well, that's an interesting one. I I was one of those kids who I was never really fangirly about somebody who I wanted to be as such. I remember being obsessed first with being a teacher. That was when I was about four or five. I was a very 80s child. So being a teacher was almost like a standard profession idea of what when you were asked what you wanted to do. But then, possibly because I watched a little bit too much Columbo and uh, Murder, She Wrote and reading a lot of detective stories, I went through a phase of wanting to be a detective. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Spying on my neighbours. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that type of thing. Um, and then from there, I went through a phase of actually wanting to be a designer 
And then I, I kind of got into wanting to be in sort of marketing and writing and stuff like that, but then sort of forgot about those things for a while. But yeah, that's... So I clearly wanted to be a few things when I yeah. was growing up. And it's funny because all of those elements are actually very much in my work today. Yeah, you do do a lot of sleuthing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, when people tell me about their experiences or, you know, they, they, you know, they tell me bits and pieces about themselves, my brain is crunching that data. I almost imagine that I'm, you know, one of those CSI rooms where oh they've gosh. got all the information on the board. Is it? Boop, 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 it's all making the links, but that's the murder I'm, walls. Yeah. It's like a collection of with the lot dots connecting <laughs> and things pinned in. Yeah. So that's how my brain works. When people are telling me their story, people can tell me sometimes as little as about 20, 30 seconds of their story. And immediately I'm like, Oh, I know what's going on behind that. Oh, it's this thing. It's that thing. People always get freaked out by that type of stuff. I'm scared. I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> You'll just like read me like a book and I'm going to be like, <laughs> this is not what I want you to know. <laughs> um, no, that's brilliant though. I guess that served you well in your career over years, years and years. You've been blogging. You're like one of the original pioneers of like yeah. blogging. I am a, probably won't be considered to be a geriatric blogger. Um, I, it'll be 16 years in June. I've been blogging. Damn. Yeah, so I remember when we first met, it was 13 years that you've been blogging. Um, And Baggage Reclaim will be 15 years old in September. So, you know, I've got a a website that's on the way to being an adult. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, I've been around, I mean, I've seen, I feel like I've seen blogging at all the stages, really. It's quite fascinating. Have you evolved, I guess, or have you felt the need to? That's a really, really good question. So when I first started blogging, the only way to interact with people uh, was through comments or through emailing. There was a real community sense. You felt like you knew all the bloggers who were blogging in the UK at the time. And actually, I'm still in touch with a number uh, of people. And then when I decided to go full time with blogging, which was uh, early 2008, when I decided to write my first ebook, what you did then is you wrote your ebook, you, I think it was eJunkie, I stored it in, you connected that to PayPal, that was the extent of it, you know, you talked about your website, you sent off an email, talked about it maybe in the comments. Now it's like Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, mm-hmm. Instagram, YouTube, so many different things. Uh, you, you write the ebook and then there's like Kindle and then there's other formats and all these different things. So it has changed dramatically over that time and also I'm quite blessed because I started at the time that I did I have a wealth of content Mm -hmm. if I decided you know and you know that I've taken breaks over the last few years much deserved (laughs) and um, if I decided I was never going to write again never going to do another podcast I've got a massive body of work out there that I hear from people every day that go oh my god this post like it saved my life it changed my life and they tell me what it is and I'll be like oh gosh yeah I read that like 10 12 13 14 so it just keeps giving and giving but it is such a different beast and I found over the last few years that that has been a lot to wrap my head around you know that I don't think of myself as an influencer Mm. um, but now there's so many different routes into doing what we're doing and there can be this impression that you have to do all the things yeah that's a lot to keep up with but also I have found, and I think this is specific maybe to my age, and I've definitely seen other people going through this as well. Like I'm coming, I'll be 43 in July. And you don't like it. 
Hello, girl. Black, black little crack. It really does not. <laughs> but I have found that I was coming up against a lot of weird ageism when I was sometimes dealing with people in the industry, sometimes people in the publishing industry. I'll talk about millennials. I, I'm not down on millennials. Millennials are a massive part of my audience. But I think that there is sometimes an overemphasis mm. um, on it. And also that the, we are conditioned to believe that all of our progress, all of our success as women has to happen before we turn 40. So if you turn 40 and you don't think you've done all the things yet, and then people compare, like I found that people would message me and they would compare me to other um, influencers and they'd be like, oh, you know, oh, you know, they're like your little baby. It's like you raise them or whatever. Or look, they're, they're doing all these things and you're not doing that. It's which is a weird thing for people to do. So I found that that has been weird because it's like, oh, like I'm not in my 20s. Yeah. I'm not even in my 30s anymore. Um, and there's a way I think that there's that it's pitched that, oh, this is the way to do things. And I, it's, I've always been do my own thing. And for a while, I actually went through a phase of struggling to figure out if that was okay even though it technically is okay this idea that I'm supposed to be I don't know putting myself out there and selling my life and acting like I'm 10 15 years younger yeah and it wasn't going to happen how did you take a step back like is it you took a physical vacation from it like yeah or emotionally you just said actually this isn't for me what was the process for that I mean when we recorded that episode a few years back you know my dad was sick at the time and he yeah. was in the last sort of stages of his life then and so when he passed away taking time off is imposed upon you and that was interesting because I, I think there's something quite fascinating about the fact that we are un, really unwilling to down tools and take out that time unless we feel like we have a legit thing like death or illness before we will do that. And so what was interesting is I, I took off about eight weeks where I just slowed right down. I was doing a little bit of work, but I really, I, all I really wanted to do was just chill out, go for walks, not do anything, sit, stare into space, whatever, have a good cry. And what was interesting is kind of like the niggling voice of, oh, but it's been eight weeks. You really kind of should get back to work now. And what was interesting is I did get back into it as such. And I found that I did not fit back into my life the way that I did before. And as is the way when, you know, I always call myself a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser, you get frustrated with yourself. It's like, why can't I do all the things? And I was, this frustration continued for a while. And it was like, well, first of all, you're doing too many things. Mm. Um, And slowing down this much has made you realize just how much you were packing into your life. And it was things like realizing that even though I am so aware of people pleasing, that it can really creep into your work if you're not careful. And so there can be this dependency when you've got social media and email newsletter and all these things. It's almost like, oh, well, you've got to keep up with the email and you've got to keep up with the social media and you've got to reply to all these things. Because if you don't, then you might be disappointing and displeasing people and all these things. And also money comes into this as well, where you start to feel like money is almost your parent. So if you earn 
really good money one month or for a few months say yay i'm really good i'm doing really well and then if things are going not so great suddenly your self-worth is on the line and it's like instead of it's i didn't please mommy and daddy money is now the parent it's like what am i doing wrong why aren't things flowing why am i not having the abundance so what was interesting is i turned 40 a few months um after my dad passed away and admittedly the two weeks before i turned 40 it felt like i was losing my marbles but by the time it's like a day or so before this calm descended on me and I put a pause on freelancers that I was working with. I'd moved to a, a studio space that was about five minutes walk from my house. I let them know that I was going to be moving back out and going home. I planned to only do that for a couple of months to have this break. But then I woke up one day and I said, today's the last day that I'm going to record a podcast. I'm going to stop the podcast for a while. I wasn't sure if I was going to go back. That was 10 months went by. Realistically, all in all, it took more than a year off. Now, what's interesting is that, you know, it's three years coming up to since my dad passed away. I've taken a lot of time off. I've taken more time off in that time than I've actually, you know, really kind of fully worked at it. And weirdly, it was the most profitable time, that period. In what way? As in money? I earned more money doing less amazing (laughs) um i reconnected with my artistic background i started drawing and painting again i did you know loads of stuff that i wouldn't have done before but i also gave up lots of things i didn't write a newsletter i'm not saying i'm not recommending anybody do this but i didn't actually write a newsletter for 15 months it wasn't it wasn't intentional but i just had to start doing a lot of things i've been doing for like 13 years some of these things and i was exhausted but I needed to know, well, what's for me? What do I actually want to do? Sure, there's things that we have to do, even if they're not our most favorite thing. We have to, uh, oh God, I just remember the VAT return. I've got to finish as well. <laughs> but, you know, we, there's various different things that we have to do. But I also think that when you get to that point where you're not sure what's for you and what's really about everybody else, that you need to step back. I started reading um, Marshall Rosenberg's Nonviolent Communication. Oh, yeah, yeah. Such a good book. I mean, it's a hard read at first, but it's so useful. It does talk a lot about people training themselves. And I guess this kind of mirrors your work as well, which is like training yourself to get in touch with your needs and Mm. your desires and your wants and then communicating that. But also you have to know what you're feeling. And Mm -hmm. we haven't been given the vocabulary growing up to express feelings, let alone needs. So a lot of people are walking around as complete live wires of just like all of these complex emotions and they're expressing them in loads of interesting and almost simple ways, but there's a whole world underneath and we need to find a way to be more compassionate and empathetic to people so that we can actually get to the depth of those needs. And I I guess like a lot of your work is about that, Mm. especially for women coming to terms with what is it that you need and getting away from the people pleasing and pleasing men. What was it for you that got you to that level of understanding? as is the way it seems to be with me in life I was diagnosed with sarcoidosis when I was like I think 26 what's that it's an immune system disease and it's a bit like Hodgkin's lymphoma without the cancer so I was like riddled with lumps joint pain chest full of shadows you couldn't walk properly started to lose my sight all sorts of stuff yeah and still I was chasing relationship caught up with a guy at work who had a girlfriend all that type of stuff and it was being that ill and being told, well, listen, you now have to go on steroids for life, otherwise you're going to be dead by 40 type of thing. But suddenly I went, geez, like you spend your life being for everybody else. You're chasing guys, you're chasing approval. You- Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've been sick all this time. You haven't even told work how sick you are. Mm. You've dragged yourself in, no matter how ill you are. And so I started to look at alternatives to, you know, healing myself from this illness. And in the process of that, I started hearing words like boundaries (laughs) and needs and feelings. What is that? (laughs) And looking at it go, what? And then it was like learning as I go. Mm. And what's interesting is I can remember being one, a child who would go to church. My auntie Jean would take myself, my brother to one of those, you know, the big black churches where the gospel music, they're all jumping up and down. And when you're a tiny little kid, it actually does feel like there's an earthquake (laughs) because everybody's like going crazy and you're like down there. But I remember observing relationships then. I always knew who was having an affair. Oh, wow. I knew who was up to no good. That's why I used to get told off a lot as a kid about, you know, too much, you know, you're too big for yourself you know you talk too much too loud all these things and then as a teenager being the one that people would be like oh gosh Natalie thank you so much for this advice but I didn't really understand like that I seem to have this gift for understanding people and relationships and once I started writing Mm. and really writing what I observed insights and stuff like that I found that I have had greater and greater and greater understanding Mm -hmm. of people and relationships so if you've seen my work even from early on I've evolved dramatically since then it doesn't mean that the work that I did early on is rubbish but I found that I've just really I've looked I look for the patterns and I translate the patterns to people I've broken down things like needs and feelings and boundaries and values and 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 wants into concepts that people can easily access because listen did anybody come to you on a day you were 18 and say, welcome to adulthood. Here's the manual. This is a timeline. These are all the things that you need to know. We didn't have lessons about boundaries or trust or feelings. And I guess on the money side of blogging, especially more so recently, one, is there still money in blogging? And yeah, I guess what are the different channels? I guess it would be quite a diversified income stream. Yeah. I mean, I never did the whole sponsored posts, ads, um, like if I decide to not do anything else, I'll still earn money from royalties every month anyway, or from from what? ebooks. There, so I oh, okay. because sorry. I have like ebooks. I I did a deal with Audible a few years ago um, for three of my books. Um, I have some e courses. I do workshops. Uh, I'm sure there's other things in there. I've had like some physical products as well at times. Uh, I've done, yes, I've done, you know, like I said, I've done online classes, I've done speaking. Uh, So it's been quite, quite varied. But, oh, and of course, I've done a lot of one-to-one work 
uh, over the last four years as well. Mm-hmm. Like one day a week, max, like sometimes even a half day. But that has been, I didn't want to do anything more than that. So I've had quite a diverse way of earning money. I, I am the relationship columnist for In The Moment magazine. So that's int- that was an interesting experience writing for a magazine because it was like, oh, somebody else is going to tell me whether this is okay for me. Because obviously yeah. I just, I'm in charge, uh, you know, self-published you know that I self-published the books that I've done. So I've decided what I want to write, which is if I was waiting for a publisher to, to say that it's okay for me to write a book, I'd be blue in the face. Yeah. So I have done that. And so I've sold a lot of books off the back of doing that. And that's created, you know, a, a business, you know, an income, but it's also created, you know, an audience as well. That's nice. That's like the goal, I guess, that everyone would like to get to, but it didn't happen overnight. It's been years and years, yeah. years of work and consistency and discipline. I guess with the break, you mentioned after the initial eight weeks you took mm. that you struggled to get back into it in the same way that you were doing before. And that's because you were just doing entirely too much. How is it now? And, you know, what is the work-life balance now? Now, I would say I probably work about properly about three four days a week at the moment but that's only because of certain things that I want or need to do I like to have early nights don't really like to work weekends I like to take off when I want to take off and actually I can so if I decide that I want to work a week where it's only one or two days or no days and I can you know I might have to do a little bit here or there you know like very sort of you know what it's like you work for yourself so you have a skeleton level of stuff that yeah. you have to do in the background so yeah at the moment I would say I probably do about three four days but they're not really full days either the balance comes from not going so hard after things I don't think we realize how much we do something that I call efforting mm. there's a big difference between trying giving things a go having goals and efforting pushing yourself really hard, doing the people please and the perfectionism because on some level you think that if you don't bust an absolute gut and struggle and strive, you're not going to get what you want or that people are going to reject you. So this effort in the sense of there's something about me that's wrong with me. There's something about me that, you know, people are going to pick on or reject. And so because I've really, you know, nabbed that now, I just find it's a lot easier for me to enjoy work and to know my bandwidth for what I can and can't do. Honestly, I just can't wait to get to this point. <laughs> I, I I'm living know. for this moment. <laughs> I see it. I was watching Goop Lab a few days ago and I heard Gwyneth Paltrow say, oh, you know, I'm just so exhausted. I mean, you know, I basically live on, I think she said like coffee and her phone and very, very little sleep. And I'm going, but you're, I, I loved Goop Labs, by the way, but I was listening to this going, oh, but like, it's like a wellness thing here. Like, mm. I mean, do you have to be, like, I can't live my life that I just did three nights. I'm normally fast asleep between 10 and 11. Thanks to Love is Blind. I had three nights where I was awake around midnight or so. Yesterday, I had to go to sleep <laughs> at 10 o'clock to, to get over all of that. So you have, to, I, I think it is noticing your body and your bandwidth. Just because Sally can work 70, 80 hours a week does not mean that you should. Yeah. You know, it's about what's right for you. That's been a really, really pivotal part of my journey over this last few years and figuring out what's right for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I've done small things, little tweaks here and there. So I do go to bed early. We tend to go to bed at 9.30. Love it. Don't have phones in the bedroom. Love it. Um, generally don't work in the evenings. That's kind of changed now. Sometimes I'm, it creeps in. Yeah, it's, help it. it's a creep because we're building stuff and things have to happen, but it will calm down again, I hope. soon. Yeah. But yeah, like having those small boundaries and then actually, when, like you, I took a step back and realised nothing changed. Like 
Life did not burn down. I did not stop earning money. I did not disappear. <laughs> no one really cared that I was gone enough to cry and moan about it. And when I came back, they were also just still there. So yeah. I think there is something to taking a step back and just assessing yeah. and having a full assessment of what's going on and taking stock of things. Absolutely. But I'm so intrigued as to how you, you took a step back and still earned more money. I'm like, Do you know how does is? this work? What Do is you know, the secret? I've, I've <laughs> what sorcery is this? A specific <laughs> thing, which is because we're not trying to control all the things. So you get into a more relaxed energy about things because you can't white it's like when you're white knuckling life and you're trying to do all the things what is is that the is it the pareto principle uh 80 percent of your revenue probably comes from 20 percent of the things Mm. that you're doing and yet you probably spend you know 80 percent of your time on the stuff that's not really generating you know what matters i can tell you right you don't have to be on social media all the time you don't have to send it. I'm not saying, well, don't send an email newsletter. I'm saying if you're going to do those things, just do it from the from the right place. Not because you think, well, I can control all these things and control my success and I'll be this kind of person mm-hmm. if I do these things. So it was because I wasn't white knuckling things. And so you, you give space for things to come in, which I know sounds a little bit woo-woo, but... I actually live for some woo. And oh, I so did. Why. <laughs> I had like a board with all of my goals and names of people I wanted to interview and blah, blah, blah. And then I think it was on Being Boss podcast where they talk about having a gap on your board oh yeah yeah and just leaving a space for an unexpected surprise yeah to just come at you so it's like you and they say usually just when you leave room for opportunity it does come and i think a lot of the things that i've managed to achieve in life have actually just come off me either forgetting about it being like i want this so bad and then something else gets away or get distracted and i don't give it that much thought and it's not coming from a place of desperation yeah the lacking feeling yeah I'll tell you something that was a really interesting and I think that a lot of people could do with trying this out and I stumbled into it by accident which is I'd taken all this time off kind of felt like I needed to push myself to be a bit more visible so I started to post it was on on Instagram each day now I didn't do it because I was looking to I don't know be insta famous to get however many followers I thought it'd be handy to get the swipe up you know to get up to 10,000 which I did a few (laughs) months later but actually what it was is I did it because I was aware that people-pleasing and perfectionism creeped, crept into my relationship with these things. How important is it to be likable? Where I found likability did creep in on me was with the traditional publishing industry. Oh, interesting. And I found that the sense of, I don't know, an industry, which is not really true. It's not like everybody decided it, but you know, when you're, this is this impression there's something about you i heard the words you have everything that publishers want mm-hmm. you literally like i have the platform the book sales you know can't get a book deal sold 100 and what 30 140,000 books right how do you not get a book deal like oh, no one sells because... 140,000 books <laughs> but it, it 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 does it's like there's something about you i just don't know what it is that's the it's like I, like literally somebody saying to you you know oh you know you have everything the publishers want but they just don't want you and so then it's this whole like what's on with me like what and david you can't help but the childlike part of yourself kind of goes that way that was a difficult thing for me i it, i had to work through that the great thing was became more content I talked very openly about feeling wounded and the abandonment feelings that it brought up and feeling not good enough and all these things. Oh my gosh, I got inundated you know, from people going, 
one, had they had had those experiences in the publishing industry. Also, people who had gone down that route and been, you know, published and realizing uh, this isn't the way for me, that the sense of feeling gaslighted, but also I've made more money from my books than a lot of people I know who have actually gone down that route, which is some people earning 10p a book. You must be flipping joking. <laughs> I ain't cut out for 10p a book. Final question. What is the best advice you've ever received and what's the worst advice you've ever received? There's been a few, but the best one I think was when a friend, who's also a medium actually, she said to me, She's a what, sorry? A medium. Oh, wow. Yeah. But she said to me... Is she good? She, she's very good. I can give you her details. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she said to me, how many mountains do you need to climb before you acknowledge that you've climbed? Like, how many mountains do you need to climb before you acknowledge that you've already made it, that you're already a success? That's a really good question. And it was the realisation, oh, you've already... But basically, like, you climb a mountain and you already are a success. You already are enough, but you then just go and climb another mountain and another mountain and another mountain. Mm. And at some point, you have to acknowledge, mate, I climb mountains already. I'm already, you know, more than enough. So that yeah. was brilliant to advise me. I've had a, a... I can't say I've had a massive amount of bad advice, but, you know, um, I really identify with what Kiki Palmer actually said on your episode about how people give you some weird advice about what you can and can't be. So I was told that I was crazy to go off and decide to explore blogging full time and do my thing. Yeah. I was told, we'll hold your job open for you. I saw my old boss a few years back. We were gathered together for an old colleague who passed away. And I think at that point I'd been gone nine years. And he said, oh, you know, obviously, you know, he obviously forgot that it was nine years. He said, oh, you know, obviously, you know, if it's not working out, you know, we, we, you know, we can always find a job for you. And I went, I've been gone for nine years. <laughs> I think it's fairly safe to say I'm doing all right. And he's like, oh, you're like, you're still doing that blog thing? Oh my and I was like, yeah. But if I had listened to people like saying, you're crazy to go self-employed, you're crazy to go and write a blog, for, write an ebook. What the hell are you talking about? If I list, that's bad advice. I can see why the woman from Spanx kept her you know, her product to herself for a whole year because people will turn around and say some stuff to you. And if you're not, if you pay too much attention to that, you can get deterred from who you are in your dreams. Yeah. Thank you, Natalie. Oh, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Natalie is a mind-blowing individual. If you aren't following her, then what are you doing? Head on over to baggagereclaim.com and get your life and follow her at natlue on Instagram. That's N-A-T-L-U-E. Just a reminder that I'll be opening a members-only recording studio for podcasters in Peckham. If you're interested, head to contentisqueen.org to join the waiting list. We only have 20 places. For updates on Wannabe, follow Content is Queen on Twitter at contentisqn and Instagram at contentisqueenhq. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends via Insta Stories. We've pulled some amazing quotes from this episode, which you can reshare via Instagram and Twitter. To get extended show notes listing any of the tools and resources that we've talked about on this episode, visit wannabepodcast.com. This podcast is proudly a Content is Queen production. It has been lovingly edited and put together by Ellie Clifford. I want to thank you so much for listening. And until next time, bye. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 